Hi everyone! Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to tell you about my new children's book, I Am Brave. It's now available on Amazon as a paperback and Kindle ebook. I can't tell you how excited I am to have a published book about selective mutism. This project meant a lot to me, and I've, I really appreciate all the support I got so far. I've been blown away by the response, so thank you. Um, so I Am Brave is a story about a young girl with selective mutism. This social anxiety disorder makes it feel impossible to speak in certain situations. When she has trouble talking at school, she uses positive affirmations to stay grounded. Anxiety can make you feel shaky and dizzy, but taking it one step at a time can make all the difference. I wrote I Am Brave for kindergarten through first or second grade but I'm sure it can be valuable at any age to learn that you're not alone and other kids have gone through what you have. To order I Am Brave on Amazon, go to our website, outloudsm.com, or find it on our Facebook page. You can also just search I Am Brave or my name, Chelsea Gamash, to find it easier on Amazon. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome back to Out Loud, the Selective Mutism podcast. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Ann, Chelsea's mom. And today we have two special guests. I think this is our (laughs) first time having two guests that are also siblings who have had selective mutism. Um, So I'm super excited to hear their stories. My name is Caitlin and my older sister is Jessica. And we're happy to be here. We're super excited. No, welcome. Thank you for coming on, you guys. I'm super amazed that you guys both just reached out. Like, what made you want to come on the show? Well, I think I found you on Instagram initially. Mm-hmm. And I was like, first of all, it's so weird to hear about people that actually have it because it was such a secluded thing back. I think it's more talked about now than it uh-huh. was. But um, I like to look around to see if, like, what other people are doing talking about and I was like oh look at this podcast it's so cool like it's someone talking about their experiences and I started listening and I was like oh like this happened to me like this was me Mm. and like and then I told my sister about it and I was like this would be cool to talk about be on their podcast I think that's kind of you know I guess that's what we kind of hope for people will recognize themselves and be able to you know take something from it or share it with other people and um, it makes you not feel so alone. At least I hope that that's, you know, mm-hmm. makes you feel like I'm not the only one. Because did you guys know? So were you both diagnosed with selective mutism or just you, Caitlin? Mm-hmm. Yes. So us. go ahead. You can say because you were first. Yeah. Um, I think when I was four or five years old, I was diagnosed. And that's when I first started to see a therapist. And I think you were around the same time. But yeah, I was I'm younger, Caitlin. And um, I think I just pretty much followed your footsteps. It was the same, the same type of thing, but at least my parents knew what they were looking at at that point. That's right. So they would get me right in and hmm. yeah. having the same thing. Now, how did your, cause that was a bit ago, um, you're 29 and mm-hmm. that, so how did your, I mean, your mom and dad, how did they know about selective mutism or how did they get you into help, get some help? I can't remember exactly how my mom found out I think that she knew something was up she knew something was different about me um my kindergarten teacher who wasn't very helpful (laughs) at the time you know she kind of thought that there was abuse going on at home and Mm -hmm. um, things like that and so I can understand that because you know she doesn't know 
mm-hmm. but you could tell that she wasn't familiar with what selective mutism was. And I mean, she told us earlier today, she said, you know, you girls, you know, no one really had any idea, at least around me at that time, what selective mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it wasn't until she got me into therapy that my therapist actually put a name to it. You're actually lucky there from, you know, from what I've heard in the past that you lucked onto that therapist. Mm -hmm. And that was your first therapist. Your mom and dad didn't have to shop around at all. The first therapist. I don't know how we got so lucky, but like she became my therapist and then she was my sister's therapist. And she even Mm -hmm. um, talked to my mom for a while, Mm one-on-one. She was wonderful. Yeah, we saw her for the whole whole uh, uh, all of our yeah pretty much like from five years old to like 18 off and on but that thinking it's trauma is like a common response for people that don't really understand because i think mutism can be a response to trauma but that's yeah. just yes. a misconception mm-hmm. with selective mutism there doesn't have to be trauma involved at all exactly yeah. and i think people still people just don't know what it is they just don't there's something off with this child and I think that's probably one of the first things that teachers think of what's going on in the home. So you both had it. So I'm wondering, like, is there a lot of anxiety in your family or did you both feel like really? <laughs> yes. that's, that's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> Very much. Yeah. Yeah. Our parents have anxieties and stuff, but they were never, um, I don't know. Dad's shy, but he was never someone to that degree it was never yeah my dad I don't think was ever diagnosed with SM as a kid and I don't think he ever would have been even if he had it but um he was very socially anxious you know Mm -hmm. there was a lot of social anxiety um and just generalized anxiety with my with my dad so we definitely get a lot most of our anxiety I'd say from my dad (laughs) okay (laughs) it's a lot of like learned a lot of our anxiety was like learned Uh Hmm. Yeah, well, you don't think about how, like, your parents' anxiety can affect, like, the Mm -hmm. children's anxiety, because they catch on, like, you have, like, especially if you're very sensitive, like, you catch on to how other people are feeling. Um, Yeah. And I know me, too. I think at the time when my kids were little, I was um, an ER nurse, and I know Chelsea didn't really verbalize anything, but my son would always verbalize, like, um, saying that I made him nervous because I would be like, you know, you have to wear your helmet. You know, if you don't wear your helmet, you know, you can hit your head. Or I was always stressing like what could happen. And I think it right. didn't make him anxious. Like right. without me realizing what I was doing, I thought I was being a protective parent. <laughs> right. Exactly. Cause parenting, it doesn't come with a, a manual, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be me. That's going to be me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm trying to think you're about, are you three years apart? Yes. Mm-hmm. Three so years apart. did you have selective mutism at the same time or did you kind of, um, I mean, were you both in treatment for it at the same time? Yeah, I think it like started when we each went to school, like right yeah. when preschool started for her, it started and then I followed suit the same way. Uh-huh. I think school was like the trigger for it everything was. and for everywhere else. It was. Yeah. You, you were interesting because I feel like we were kind of opposites in a way where, yeah, we were treated for it at the same time, but I was experiencing like super, super anxiety, like pre, like before school, 
Mm-hmm. You, you were like, oh my God, I want to go to school. I can't wait for the bus to pick yeah. me up. Somebody take me away so I can go to school. Like you were like raring to go. And then school started and that's when I did yeah. a lot of things. Started. I came home and I was like, just kidding. I hate school. <laughs> <laughs> Which is super common also with SM. Well, not, not your story, but that most of it is picked up in kindergarten. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. when you're right. Put in that situation of being social and having expectations, social expectations put on you to speak and or whatnot. Hmm. It's a big transition. Right. So I always ask, like to ask, like, what does it feel like to have SM? Like what specifically did you feel like in your body when you felt like you couldn't talk? Cause I feel it's interesting to hear other people's. Yeah. I was telling Yes, earlier like this is going to be so weird to think about because it was so long ago mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm terrible at remembering maybe I blocked it out too who knows yeah. because it was traumatic but um it's interesting to look back because it's been so long mm-hmm. but um, you go first and then I'll oh, me? okay <laughs> you're old you can dance first <laughs> okay <laughs> um I felt like I was trapped like I felt there was a book that I read years ago and there was a paragraph that I had saved. I think I still have it on my phone and it described what I had felt perfectly. And it was about selective mutism. And I, it, hmm. it kind of feels like you're trapped in your own mind. Like for me, I wanted to be social and I wanted so much to be able to talk to people, but I just felt like there was this barrier, like something that I couldn't put an name to was stopping me from, you know, communicating with people or overcoming that, anxiety like the anxiety was way way too intense for me to go through Mm -hmm. in order to get on the other side to talk to people but I wanted I wanted that very much but I just I felt like I was like like I felt incapable and trapped yeah Mm -hmm. well I I remember a lot of the physical symptoms the sweat and like not Mm -hmm. being able to breathe right like really shallow breathing Mm -hmm. and um I also remember like talking I don't know if it was me. Well, obviously it was me talking to myself, but I I remember just being like, okay, just stay calm. Just don't say anything and you'll be fine. Mm. Just don't say anything. Just stay calm and they'll they'll just talk for you or something like that. Uh I couldn't even like formulate like what was like there was something wrong. It was just like, don't worry about it. Like someone's trying to get through. Yeah. Interesting. Just try to survive. I used to, um, like the night before school, like, say if it was like a Sunday night and Monday I had to go to school like I wouldn't be able to eat my dinner like I wouldn't be able to keep food down like I would like throw up my dinner like I was just so nervous to Mm -hmm. the point where I was just I didn't want to eat like I had no appetite and I just felt sick all the time yeah Yeah. I felt like that all through high school I don't think I I usually didn't eat breakfast in the morning Mm. I felt nauseous Yeah, you're like, oh no, food is not going to happen right now. <laughs> yeah, it's already hard enough to eat in the morning for me anyway. But, um, I never had, I don't think I ever had that, like, thinking about school, because I think I just put it in my head, like, okay, I have to do this, so whatever happens, happens, even though I'm, I hate every minute of it, because I just wanted to make sure I was, like, doing everything right. I didn't want to disappoint anyone. Like, yeah. I was so worried about making people disappointed. Like, my parents, the teachers didn't want to be in trouble at all. Mm-hmm. So, like, do whatever they tell you, even if you hate it. So, like, school was just something I had to do. So, I just forced myself to go. Yeah. I think Chelsea, too, was always trying to, she was a real rule follower. She didn't want to break any rules. Um, you know, she wanted to know the rules ahead 
so that she could make sure she stayed within those lines, um, which was good yeah. as a parent. Yeah, right. you know, yeah. She never I, mean, I was the good school. kid. I went to kind of like a strict like private school where if you did do something that was like against the rules, you would get called out. So obviously I did not want to get in trouble. You don't want that attention on you. Yeah. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I did, I did get a phone call from her gym teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She didn't want to participate and she was sitting out and then all the other kids thought they could sit out. So it became a problem. Oh. <laughs> so how were yeah, you guys we with gym? It was the same thing for me, at least. I, I, a lot of times when I was younger, I wouldn't participate because I just, I didn't want that attention on me mm -hmm. doing whatever it was that I was, that we had to do. Yeah. Very nerve wracking to interact with other people. It was yeah. just like the worst class yeah. ever. Especially if like there was a team sport, like um, baseball or something that you had oh. to be up to bat or something like that was horrible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of attention. Everybody depended on you, and you're like, okay, I can't. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I always felt too like with structured things, I did better than when you're kind of like left up to your own to kind of like socialize on your own, and there's mm -hmm. no like specific rules to follow. I always had trouble with that, and Jim seemed like more do your own thing. <laughs> I don't know. True. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I know. I guess, how long did you guys have, like, experience selective mutism? Like, I know it's hard to pinpoint an ending in the starting start. I know it's hard. <laughs> I think I really thrived in high school. Like, mm -hmm. I really was able to get out of my shell towards the end of high school. Um, Maybe high school, Caitlin, or? Yes. So, I think because, so our high school is two towns meshed together. Mm -hmm. So, like, everybody was the new kid, kind of. Okay. So yeah. it was much easier to mesh and talk to new people because everybody was new with each other mostly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, easier to make friends that way. And like, I have a good friend who's super talkative, very outgoing, and I used her as my crutch all the time. <laughs> so I know Becca's going to be watching this. So, <laughs> yes, Becca, you were my crutch to help me talk to people. Like, and like, I met friends through her, and like, we all had, you know, it was, it was right. really great high school actually for me, especially towards the end. Hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of, I love that you still know her today and you. Oh yeah. Friends. We met, we met in first grade and stuff. And, and she's like, actually, oh, yeah, she's a teacher now. And she actually had a student that had selective mutism. Cool. And she, so she was like, I already knew everything about it because I met you. <laughs> and she was like my friend when I was, you know, the quiet one, she knew mm -hmm. about everything. Oh, that's cool. amazing. That's mm -hmm. so funny. Chelsea's best friend from kindergarten is a teacher also now. Oh, she's oh, a cool. teacher. Yeah. <laughs> awesome yeah um I think I was kind of the same <clears throat> more to high school I felt a little bit more comfortable I wasn't you know the social butterfly actually oh, yeah. actually I think it was either middle school or high school I was voted quietest yeah, yeah. that's so nice that as a superlative which I thought was interesting I feel like that could go either way with people <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um yeah so I forget if that was middle school or high school um but I felt a little bit more comfortable like I, I had a lot more people to talk to and I had people friends in my classes and I loved to learn I was always a bookworm I loved learning um mm -hmm. so high school but I think honestly a segue to that was in middle school when we had um did you have I can't remember if we had the bosses for teachers. yes so 
we had um, a couple of teachers, they were husband and wife in middle school, Mr. and Mrs. Bloss. And quite honestly, I feel like they were one of the few people like school-wise that kind of changed my life in a way, like mentor-wise. Yeah. They really connected with you and they made you feel at ease. Um, you know, and they were very like involved with everybody. They treated everyone like their own individual person. So they were very, um, very comforting to be around. And I think that helped that was in sixth grade. So I had two more years in middle school and then I went to high school, but I think that helped mm -hmm. as like a little bit of a catalyst for later on where I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe school isn't so bad. Maybe I can mm -hmm. kind of build a rapport with my teachers. And even though I'm terrified still to talk to people, it made it a little bit easier to bear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Teachers are so important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Critical. I think such a big difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was also the craziest thing. So I used to work at Barnes and Noble and two years ago I bumped into this lady and I like we were talking and then I realized like wow she's so familiar to me and I realized she was my first grade teacher <laughs> and I'm like, she actually taught my sister and she taught my dad in wow and I like told her who I was and like we hugged and I was like this is crazy I've never been able to talk to you before oh my God. that's wow so yeah like in first grade I never said a word to you I was terrified and like now I'm standing here like looking at you in the eyes and talking to you right now. This is amazing. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. So cool. It was that's so cool. great. <laughs> oh, you're gonna make me cry. I feel like crying. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's cool. So was one of you did do you think did one did you kind of both get over selective mutism at the same time? Or did one kind of um, you know, feel like I'd want to get cured, but did one sort of succeed and first? Yes, Jess was much better at, not better, but like she was first, mm -hmm. much more, and you still are, you still are more outgoing than I am, mm -hmm. um, and you, I think you always will be, because it's just your personality, anyway. True. But... I definitely take after my mom, like, a lot, and my mom <laughs> is very loud and very, like, outgoing, <laughs> I think that's what helps me. <laughs> yeah. That's why your dad is getting all the blame. <laughs> yes, poor dad. I'm kidding, <laughs> <laughs> blame, right? <laughs> So I was wondering where you feel like you were over selective mutism first. Did you speak for Caitlin, do you think, or no? She just kind of, she was already had her little pattern going. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because like when I was, I remember when I was little and not so much when I was older. I mean, I feel like I kind of still talk over her now, but she'll tell me that she feels like she talks over me and interrupts me, which is interesting. <laughs> um, but um I remember when I was little, I would be like an attention hog at home. When we would do like home videos, my dad would get the camera out. I would be shoving her out of the way. I would be doing funny faces and I would just want all the attention. I would just throw her aside. And I, you know, of course I feel bad now. <laughs> um, I feel like I definitely, when I got over selective mutism, I feel like I probably without realizing it probably talked over her a lot more or like talked for her a lot more or, you know you're probably feeling this way um especially after of, she became a therapist <laughs> <laughs> you don't do it all the time but she'd be like oh this is probably because of this and i'm like yeah 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 you don't have, you don't have to put the, <laughs> your two cents in yeah sometimes i have to backtrack and be like I'm sorry. I don't mean to act like your therapist. I shouldn't be your therapist. I'm your sister. That's different. <laughs> I, yeah. I do. That's funny. No, so, do you think selective mutism, your history with selective mutism, had an, um, influenced you and in what you do with your for a career? I 
think so. I think I wanted to be that safe space that was given to me, you know, because I feel like it's such a privilege to be able to give people a sacred space to be able to not have judgment and to have empathy and listening, just to have themselves be heard. I mean, I feel like it's a privilege to do that job. And, um, you know, I think a lot of, I mean, I see some, I mean, most of my clients have anxiety anyways, and I'm like, you're in the right place. You know, I'm so familiar with anxiety from social to generalized. So personally, <laughs> but I see a lot of different people. Um, and I see adults and I see some teenagers here and there, but not too many. Eventually when I get into private practice someday, I'll want to see like everybody. But mm-hmm. right now I think adults are like my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Have you had any um, clients yet with selective mutism? I haven't, um, but there was, there's one client that I have, she's around my age, but she has like an intellectual disability, disability, but um, it's, it it mirrors it a little bit. I definitely don't think it is selective mutism, but I, I feel like the similarities with like, um, I don't know, there's something going on that she's not able to articulate. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like I wasn't able to articulate what what, what I was feeling or thinking. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Caitlin? Are you in school? Are you? I am. Nothing to do with anything like this. So I'm in school for fisheries and wildlife sciences. Oh, um, cool. It took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do, but finally I'm doing that. Hopefully I can be working alongside of biologists out in the field, tagging animals and stuff like that. I really love animals like bears and stuff. Are my absolute favorite. Cool. Complete different <laughs> from what my sister does, but that's amazing. Yeah, though. yeah. Huh, neat. Wow, really important to love animals. You know, no, no. <laughs> we need more people like that yeah. <laughs> to love animals and to. That's cool that that's actually like a real job. Like I know it's a real job, but I didn't know it's attainable. Like when yeah, I was little, just thinking I just about watch it, yep. Animal Planet all the time, and I mm-hmm. no, like, that's really cool. Yeah. So I guess um, what what helped you? I like to ask that so that other people can hear what mm. was helpful for you. Well, one thing I can think of early on is the exposure therapy. Like when we. I'd go to Walmart with my mom. She'd be like, okay, you can buy this Barbie, but you have to buy it yourself. And, you know, you have to go up there, like give the lady the money and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So like the baby steps that'll go forward, getting used to being like in a conversation, not a conversation, but just being like the center of that person's, Mm -hmm. you know, not be so nervous and Mm -hmm. eventually be able to do things for myself in public, Mm -hmm. answering the phone too. Mm-hmm. That was one. That was a big one. Yeah. yeah. That's I awesome. mean, I still don't like talking on the phone, but I <laughs> yeah, can do either. it now. <laughs> yeah. I feel the same way. I think exposure therapy type strategies were really, I mean, it wasn't my favorite. No. <laughs> um, it's terrifying. But yeah. It and it's, it's interesting to have been in the hot seat and then to be the therapist and to mm-hmm. know these things. But like, you know, when I was younger, I hated having to go through those but it was but she made them tolerable steps where it was you know gradual you know desensitization where like I had a hard time going into the lunch line I didn't want to be in line with people you know I felt like the whole room was looking at me while I was in line and then like 
I have to talk to the lunch lady and tell her what I wanted. And then I had to give the lady the money and God forbid she had to give me change or something (laughs) like, Oh my God. Like, so (laughs) so overwhelming. it was a lot of overwhelming Mm -hmm. things. And I think that helps with like the small incremental steps where she's like, okay, you know, why don't we start with you um, bringing lunch but maybe like, I forget what she did, but like little steps where it's like, okay, I wasn't standing in line, but maybe I was like, I would just kind of look at the lunch line and contemplate, imagine myself. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, I brought lunch, but I also brought lunch money. So maybe I had a chance a to maybe get a snack or something. Yes, exactly. And so on and so forth, you know, until mm-hmm. it, and it really did help. But I think other things too, I think that, you know, building trust with people, not just in therapy, but just in friendships and allowing myself to trust people, but having people in my life who were supportive and patient enough to allow me that space to like trust them so that I was more comfortable around them. Mm-hmm. Very, very helpful. Yeah. Did you guys um, attend any camps or anything for, you know, summer camps for selectively mute children or anything? No, like I had no idea things like that even existed, to be honest. I don't know if they did like when we were kids. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Isn't that more like newer? Yeah. I don't know. It would have been hard to find too back then. <laughs> yeah. I know we, we did like Girl Scouts and we did swimming lessons and we mm-hmm. did um we did like day camp, you know. Right. Nothing during the summertime nothing, uh, but with what we had. Nothing like, specific nothing to like with people like us. Okay. Now were you always in the same group or whatever, or did you split? Like, I'm just wondering, were you each other's comfort person or did you have to go off into different age groups? Yeah, so I was the one that I think in the beginning did more um, because I ended up really liking Girl Scouts despite not even talking to people. I just really liked it. And I probably influenced what I'm doing now, um, being outdoors and stuff for Mm -hmm. work. And um, I really enjoyed that. My mom pushed me to do it. I didn't want to do it, but I tried it. And I really liked it. And I stayed with it like till like high school. And um, mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, we both did swimming lessons. We were forced to do that too. But I hated swimming lessons. I don't think I joined anything till later on when it was on your terms. Mm. Yes. You were, you were very stubborn. I was <laughs> always like that. Everything had to be on my terms within my control, you know, anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> um, with swimming lessons, when I was listening to some of your episodes and stuff, it kind of dawned on me, some of the activities that I used to do, like swimming lessons, for example. I'm like, you know, maybe I have so much fear around swimming because like I had a fear of like water and, you know, I still can't swim very well. I'm still like (laughs) trying to teach myself how to swim. I never got past level one, but I think a lot of it had to do with my selective mutism. I think a lot of it was like paralysis of like, Mm. oh my God, I don't want to do this in front of people. I don't want to have to have this discomfort in front of people. Mm Um, so your podcast, I think, kind of helped me hmm. process that a little bit. So I appreciate that. That's cool. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was a lot of the sensory stuff about swimming, too. I never liked to put my head under the water or get my face wet yes. or anything. But it was Very also scary. part of, like, performing in front. Of, it felt like I was always performing in front of people, like, at everything I did. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Did you girls have any sensory? Um, do you remember having any sensory issues? Yeah, you more so. I have more no. now for some reason. Yeah, she got more now when she was older, as she got older. I huh. I had a lot of like loud noises, mm-hmm. really bothered me, really scared me. 
when I listened to the episode where you guys talked about like the automatic toilets and stuff, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> very, very validating. But yeah, loud noises were a big thing. And like sensory, like, like you said, putting your head under the water, um, going through the sprinkler. I had an issue going through the sprinkler. I had a meltdown on video camera. Mm-hmm. My mom like, like carried me and like put me through. And I was like, that was not on my terms. I did not yeah. like that. It was a shock to the system and I just had a breakdown. Wow. Yeah. How about you, Caitlin? You feel like you develop them later? So that's that's a little di- yeah. um, <laughs> different, but <laughs> I, it is. I I never had anything like that huh. happen back then. I was very chill with that. Or at least I was just like, well, I'll just deal with it type of thing. Like I you said. You had a lot of distress tolerance at a very young age. Um, <laughs> like now sounds and stuff start to bother me a little bit um i've gotten more anxious because i think everything with the pandemic and stuff everybody's more anxious anyway right Um, sounds smells bother me now more than they used to and um i don't even doing the dishes are like the worst for her yeah like certain (laughs) things like doing the dishes if there's like a piece of food in there i will gag and like my parents used to be like stop being so dramatic and i'm like no like i I literally I can't, can't do stop it. it. I can't do it. That's funny. I feel like it does change, though. Like, I don't know. It's not the same as when I was a kid, but I do have different things that bother me. And it's also like when you're more anxious, you have more of those um, responses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a parent, I think this is kind of interesting, just listening to you guys, because, um, you know, for as a mom, when you have a kid, if they don't want to do the dishes or they don't want to do something, could be anything, you automatically assume they're being just, you know, difficult misbehavior. Mm -hmm. They're just being foolish. They are, you know, they just don't want to listen. Exactly. It's interesting that as like, you guys are all older now and you can look back and you're able to verbalize, you know, what, why you didn't like certain things. So it's Mm -hmm. just kind of interesting, maybe for parents, if they're listening to kind of I don't yeah. know. I was so hard on them. Try to be curious <laughs> instead of assuming. Yeah. Did you guys find like medication helpful as part of your treatment for SM? Yeah. Um, I think I started, I was young, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. And I think um, knowing that I had that too was kind of like a effect on me. Okay. I have something in me that's going to help me. So mm-hmm. I pushed myself further thinking that, and it was just like a morale boost. Mm-hmm. And it did help me. Yeah, no, I don't think I took medication until I was about 14, I feel like. Oh, really? I think when I was a teenager, that's when I really started to notice my anxiety. But I never had, I don't think I ever had medication um, when I was experiencing SM, I don't think. Mm. Therapy was like every week, that was like my medicine. But as I got older, I definitely went on like Prozac or um, right now I'm on Lexapro and that's been a godsend um, <laughs> to kind of keep me like oh, okay. <laughs> right yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. I just like to mention that I just I don't know <laughs> I should bring it up because yeah, some people are of... weird like don't feel comfortable about medications and mm-hmm. don't know if they want to try it but yeah I would I'm a pro medication <laughs> if you want to try it go for it and like, even as a therapist I'm like I definitely encourage like if if there's like a especially with things like, you know, um, with like certain anxiety disorders, thoughts get stuck in a loop. And so sometimes medication can be a good foundation to help those thoughts get unstuck, but you're also doing therapy on top of that to be able to um, be comfortable doing it 
yourself as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just know as a parent, and I know, I mean, a lot of times it's the parent that kind of makes the decision. Um, but you know, it's, it's just so hard to like Chelsea was six. And I know I've talked about that on the podcast, I think grade six, I think a great, I'm sorry, grade two. Um, it's really hard to make that decision, but yeah, as a parent, as a mom, that's, that's really tough. I just think it's good to talk about because a lot of parents might want to do it, but they just, you know, can't take that step, but good to verbalize just in case they're thinking it, but they don't want to say it. And yeah. Somebody else isn't like, Oh, okay. And I won't come across as pushing it. I just want to like, you know, discuss like, you know, how you felt and did you take it or just, um, I think it's good to normalize it because so many people uh, feel weird about it. So how do you feel today? You guys, if you feel like SM is, um, I mean, I always just think, I don't know if it ever, well, we had this, I always, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast too. We, I always sort of think, well, selective mutism still affects Chelsea today. Um, but then he said one time when we met him that she's cured of SM and it's anxiety that's left. <laughs> do you view your SM totally cured in, in the past? Um. I definitely still have maybe like trouble with eye contact, but I don't think it's because of SM. It's because I haven't done it in like so long. Like I'm just starting to learn how to do it and I have to kind of mm-hmm. teach myself to do it type of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I can't do it. I just have to be like, oh yeah, like make sure you look in people's eyes when you're talking to them. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to like learn how to do these social things and stuff too. like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we can kind of finish up. Um, I'll ask the question I like to ask. Um, what would you tell your younger self or people who are struggling with selective mutism now? No, it's a hard question. <laughs> Definitely make sure you get therapy help because I don't think there's any way to get better without therapy, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Therapy is a big, big, at least for us, it was a huge. Yeah, yes. and quality therapy, like people that actually know exactly. about selective mutism. Yeah, exactly. People who are really mm-hmm. good at rapport building and um, at least from my younger self, you know, it, it's it's tough. You know, I think it's the corny saying of like, it gets better. And it's like, I feel like my younger self would just kind of mm-hmm. shake their head and be like, no, I don't believe you. <laughs> Immediate gratification. <laughs> but um that's the first, that's my gut reaction is like, it it gets better. And this is something that you might, um, you might be struggling with right now, but it's something that is going to catapult you into so much growth later on, at least, Mm -hmm. at least for me and Mm -hmm. our experience, I guess. I can't speak for you, but (laughs) I guess I would say, wait till you see what you get to do next. Like, wait till you see what actually happens like, it's not going to be like this forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't really see the end when you're stuck in it and you're just a little kid. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Take it day by day. And look how we are. Yeah. You guys are, you wouldn't even know. Like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you both seem pretty outgoing. Yeah. I remember, yeah. I think, one class in high school, I was talking to someone during class and, like, my teacher was like, Caitlin, be quiet. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I just got in trouble for talking. That's never happened. <laughs> that was like the only time when I was like, oh my gosh, like I just got in trouble for talking in class. That was awesome. What a thrill. I do want to thank my friends that were helping me out when I was a kid. 
being understanding. I just love how kids are so, um, just like nothing's ever wrong with you. Like they'll just be so like, accepting. oh, yeah, you're quiet. Okay. Like I have a couple friends I'm still friends with now, Vic, Becca, Cassie, like they're mm-hmm. all friends with me when I was at that point And like, they've seen me grow and they were with me the whole time. And you know, the friend that would just talk mm-hmm. for you and like, it, like it was so unproblematic for them. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that was important too. Yeah. In life, having those supportive mm-hmm. people being like, oh, you can't talk well, I'll help you. <laughs> yeah, we were really lucky. Like, I yeah. had um, a friend, so her friend Vic, her older sister was my best friend in kindergarten. She was the one that spoke for me. Um, when I was on the bus, like if the bus driver missed my bus, she'd be like, hey, you missed Jess Hobart, stop. <laughs> 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 so it, I feel like you and I were really lucky with the friends that we got at that mm-hmm. time they were like our little um cheerleaders our little like moms like they took us under their wing so to speak well thank you so much for coming on and sharing thank uh, you thank guys you. this was awesome i'm so yeah, excited it was a lot of fun. i told my boyfriend i'm gonna be on a podcast i hope you know that I'm famous. <laughs> yeah you guys are famous now <laughs> this is so exciting thank you so much for having us and yeah, we've never we've this. never told our story before to really you know yeah. to anybody really to... yeah feels good thank you for sharing it yeah it's a pleasure yeah. it really it's was fun. all right <laughs> okay <laughs> all right. have a good night bye-bye bye-bye bye Charles. bye, bye. 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 <laughs>